Sunday brunch. Menu and hours online at tavernonmainny.com. And from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org. Welcome to the Local Edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. It's Friday. We made it through the week. Thank you so much for joining us, joining me on this Friday evening, whether you're driving in your car, cooking dinner, or having dinner. In the second half of the show, we'll be continuing with our Hispanic Heritage Month interviews. We'll be talking to NPR's host of Alt Latino, Vides Cantereras, and Anna Marie Sayer. But first, it's Friday on the local edition, and every other Friday we check in with the Times Union to see what's happening in the Hudson Valley. Philip Pontuso is the managing editor, and he's on the phone with us now. Philip, welcome back to the program. There's a lot to get to. So recently, New York has issued a law of the new concealed carry law, but it's been challenged. And it's um, I think there's a new hearing that came up recently. What can you tell us about this latest uh, development with the New York concealed carry law? Yeah, so this isn't even Hudson Valley specific, although I think it's of interest to a lot of folks out here, especially um, this time of year. So this summer, in response to the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that struck down New York's century-old rules governing who can carry a pistol in public, the state legislature called a special session, and they passed uh, a new new guidelines uh, about concealed carry permits and what folks need to do to obtain one and the locations where they're allowed to, con- to carry a concealed firearm. Legal action against that law was brought by a Schenectady County resident and members of a Second Amendment advocacy group called Gun Owners of America. And last week, a U.S. District Court judge temporarily blocked significant portions of that law, basically saying that it reduced a first-class constitutional right to bear arms. And that judge's ruling um, would have suspended requirements that permit seekers need to disclose their social media accounts as well as the identities of relatives, including spouses who can serve as, quote, character references. They would all it would also strike the requirement that permit seekers have to sit for in-person interviews with local officials in order to demonstrate their moral character. All of those had been requirements that were put into place by the law passed this summer, um, and and those were going to be struck down um, by by this district court judge that was set to go into effect this week, but Attorney General Tish James challenged it. And on Wednesday, a federal judge issued what's called an interim administrative stay, basically putting a halt to, to that blockage that was passed last week. So basically that means that the law does remain in effect for now until a three-judge panel is going to hear arguments on both sides at a, at a date to be determined. So we don't have final resolution on this yet, and I, I wouldn't expect that this will be the the last challenge to this to this law. Um, it's a pretty broad challenge, and I think if this is this is me speculating here, but I think if this three judge appellate panel 
decides to leave most or all of the state's law in place, you might see more targeted um, and specific challenges to it, but that will have to remain to be seen for a later day. So let me make sure I have everything straight. The law was created. It was passed. There was a challenge on that law. So there was a stay on the law. And now there's a challenge on that challenge. So now the law is back into effect until this review board reviews the law. Is that correct? <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Basically, the challenge that last week um, was upheld has now had a stay put on it. And basically, they're throwing it back to an appellate court who's going to hear arguments on both sides. Essentially, you know, the law has, has gone to court. And, you know, one thing that could happen pending what ha- pending the outcome of the appellate panel hearing is the, the challengers, the, the Schenectady County resident and the Second Amendment advocacy group, they could appeal again and eventually it could make its way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. I, I see this is going to be an ongoing issue. I can see once even the decision made that, that that could be challenged and then there's still some confusion about exactly what could happen with this law because there was some, I don't know, before when the law went to effect originally, there was some folks who live within the Catskills State Park who own guns and, and are they having guns illegal and what was the sort of the, the, the special requirements for that? And um, so it was a lot of confusion. So I can still see that there is going to be pushback on the law uh, going into the future. Yeah, yeah. Now turning our eye on to the election that's coming up, the also count executive seat is for grabs. Democrat Jen Metzger has made a bid for it and also James Quigley, the Republican. But there's some controversy with his campaign. What's going on there? Yeah, this is a little bit of news that the Times Union broke this week. Last week, about 18,000 people got an email from James Quigley's campaign. And the first line in all caps uh, says, your absentee ballot is on its way, Quigley for Ulster. Now, of course, in New York State, uh, you have to apply for an absentee ballot and it's still an application. And there are several rules or justifications that you can put forward to, in order to get an absentee ballot, including fear of contracting COVID. But um, you don't automatically get sent one. Though this message was sent to 18,000 registered voters in Ulster County, only about 3,000 voters had actually requested an absentee ballot. So it, um, you know, it, it potentially sows a little bit of confusion, especially amid, I think, wider confusion around the absentee balloting rules, which have been in flux and had some special changes made over the last couple of years uh, for the pandemic. In, in 2020, folks might remember that Governor Cuomo issued an executive order and sent out or demanding that local boards of elections uh, send out applications to absentee ballots to everybody. So there are some voters who might who might think that, okay, maybe my absentee ballot is in the mail, and then they won't go ahead and request them themselves or make plans to go vote on election day in November. So we dug, we dug into this a little bit. What had happened uh, is that, and I talked to, to James Quigley about this, um, they had received, his campaign had received a list of voters who had requested absentee ballots from the Ulster County Board of Elections. And they had put together this email that was specifically meant to be targeted to those 3,000 or so voters. But somebody on his campaign staff um, sent it to the wrong database. They accidentally sent it to everybody who uh, is registered (laughs) to vote whose email address is in 
their system. So they, they, they quickly realized the error, and about 15 minutes later, they sent a correction email, but a little bit of further reporting. Um, and to be clear, I haven't, I haven't talked to all 18,000 people who received the original email, but um, most of the people I did talk to who received the original email, um, the correction went into their spam uh, because it was the second email in quick succession from a political campaign. And mm-hmm. A lot of email servers just filter that out for spam. Among the folks, among the recipients uh, for whom the correction email went into spam was the Democratic commissioner on the Ulster County Board of Elections, Ashley Dittis, who seemed, when I talked to her, um, a little bit annoyed <laughs> that this had happened. She had heard from, she told me, around a dozen or so voters who were confused about uh, what was happening here, whether or not they did have an absentee ballot. And one other kind of twist in this story is that adding to that confusion was that the, the email, the original email, the, the sender was, was John Quigley. And it's a John yeah. at Ulster for Quigley or Quigley for Ulster.com. John Quigley is, is James Quigley's, the candidate's son, but he also happens to be the Republican commissioner for the Ulster County Board of Elections. Wow. So a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, they were getting an email from, from a Board of Elections official about their absentee ballot. So we kind of weighed whether or not to even do the story because I, I think it really was an honest mistake. But given how many people received the original email, I mean, 18,000 voters yeah. in the county is, is, is a sizable number of people who vote here. And given that it seems like a number of people who received the original email did not receive the follow-up, we thought it would be a little bit of a public service to actually clarify what happened here, have it all be on the record, talk to the candidate himself, give his explanation for what happened. And so that's why we published the story. Right. So, uh, important information that the voters need to know, like this was a mistake. And do you want them to go to the polls with the most accurate information? I, I do question or I'm curious about, you know, having the son of the candidate still as the commissioner um, part of board of elections. I wonder if there was any kind of like special rules for him uh, as far as him being related to one of the candidates. Yeah, well, we talked, I talked with um, Commissioner Didis about this. She is the more senior official. Well, I mean, they're both the commissioners. Boards of elections have Republican and Democratic commissioners, but she's been in that position longer. And she told me that there's really no laws that actually deal with this specific situation of a candidate's family member working on a local board of election. Um, But what they're doing here in Ulster County to avoid... Uh, even the appearance of a conflict of interest, is um, John Quigley, the the BOE commissioner. He's not really going to be involved in any of the, like he's not going to canvas absentee ballots as they come in, um, you know, which will start happening toward the end of this month um, in the beginning of November. And he's not going to be at any of the poll sites when those open for early voting on October 29th. So essentially just to avoid any kind of conflict of interest there. Uh, he, he's not really going to be actually participating in the counting of ballots. Yeah, again, I'm glad the Times Union is there to sort of clarify and make sure people have the correct information. We were talking to Philip Pontuso, Managing Editor for the Hudson Valley section of the Times Union, 
talking about the concealed carry gun law that's in New York, and also talking about the election in Ulster County for the executive county seat and about a wrong email that went out. Philip, thank you so much for talking to us on the local edition. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thank you so much, Philip, for that. That's Philip Pontuso, managing editor for the Times Union, the Hudson Valley edition. Coming up, we'll be talking to NPR's host of Alt Latino, Felix Contreras, and Anna Marie Sayer for Hispanic Heritage Month. That's all happening here on the local edition. Coming up for you right after this. It's Friday on the Local Edition. I'm your host, Patricia Robayo. We'll be right back. Four hundred thirty-five House seats. Our democracy is in peril. Thirty-five Senate seats. This is what's at stake. Thirty-six governorships. Thank you, Michigan. Countless local positions. There's a lot at stake in the midterm elections this fall, and NPR News will be there, keeping you informed every step of the way. Stay up to date. Keep listening to this station for the midterm updates you need from NPR News. Your NPR station. Radio Catskill. Keeping you connected. And I'm in a place in my life where I'm trying to get to a place of healing and reconciliation with the way my ancestors were treated and with the way that I'm treated when I go into a bus or when I go into a train, when I go into a store and they follow me because I'm brown. I'm angry at those things, but I'm also trying my best to reconciliate and heal from those things. Josue Rivas standing strong on Standing Rock. The Janice Adams Show, Saturday at noon. Welcome back to the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, and on Radio Catskill, we'll be honoring the cultures and contributions of people with ancestors from Latin America and other Spanish-speaking countries all month long. This year's theme is Unidos, Inclusivity for a Stronger Nation. NPR's Alt-Latino is back. Every week, Felix Santeras and Adam Marie Sayer explore the history and culture of the Latino community through music. Felix and Anna's discussion of music and culture reflects their shared experiences as Mexican-Americans and explores the generational differences that inform their identities. On the program with us now is Felix and Anna Marie. Welcome both of you to the program. Thank you very much uh, for having us. Thanks there. for having us. Uh, Anne-Marie, uh, being a fan of the show yourself, what was it like to get that email or call offering you to become uh, Phoenix's co-host? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I had some amazing like movie like moment of how this happened, but it was a lot. It was a lot more subtle than that. Um, I, you know, had been working on the show for a while and uh, we decided, you know, it was time for a change. It was time to 
relaunch, revamp, reimagine what the show had been after, you know, 12 years of being on the air. And so we tried a lot of different things, lots of uh, false starts, I guess you could say, Felix. <laughs> um, but uh, ultimately, you know, we tried out having me and, and Felix kind of just do our thing, which is on the daily basis, debating each other about all different types of music and culture and who knows what else. And so we were like, let's just put it on the air. And that's kind of how it happened. And that's one of my favorite parts of the new format. It's discussions between you and Felix discussing the music and the artists. And, you know, it feels like I'm sitting in a conversation between friends. Oh, man. Well, we're glad someone likes it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's what it is for sure. Um, It's been really, really... You know, it's it's like you're hearing exactly what our, our normal calls sound like. So uh, we knew we had something when we would try to get on meetings and sit there for two hours and talk about anything but what we were supposed to talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> Felix, you've been steering the alt-Latino ship for over 12 years. So first of all, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, you've Thank done you. it all. You've been everywhere. You've been exploring Latino music and bringing it to your audience. The show now has been revamped. And while you continue to explore that history and culture, now you do it through conversations. Can you talk more about this new format? Yeah, I think that uh, what one of the things that has always popped up whenever, whether I'm traveling to a different country or some music festivals and all that, it's basically it's basically we all love to talk about music, right? We and whether with musicians, with people in the industry, with fans, with my friends, with my family, you know, the conversation and always almost inevitably turns to music. And so we just wanted to explore that a little bit more and have those kind of conversations with the artist. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, between Anna and I, and I think that, our, you know, our, our different perspectives on music, our different perspectives on, you know, life in general and, but our similarities as well contribute to that so it's it was just like wanting it was just a matter of wanting to have more more conversations in those conversations Anna Marie with the artists for the show having them talk to you about their lives how the music has shaped their lives what have you been able to discover for yourself and has it changed how you relate to your own heritage man yeah um so many things i think you know before even hopping on the mic with Felix or even working on Alt Latino, I think something that I really, really loved about the show was the way that it was able to connect me to this this much larger um, community and culture and history than I even understood. I think, you know, something I say a lot is, I think as Latinos, especially in this country, we're like, we grow up in these communities of like, for me, it was a Southern California, you know, Mexican-American community. And that was my experience with with what culture was and what community was and very much tied to my family. And then music and a show like Felix's can introduce you to, wow, this entire diaspora and this entire history of all of these people um, who share these experiences. And so that's something that I think I get to kind of really get a sense of every single day on this job. And I think especially with artist interviews, I mean... I just like there are so many things. I think there's something in every interview that someone says where I'm like, wow, like, were you were you there in my childhood? Like, what? <laughs> how do you know so intimately? How do you share this exact same thing with me? And so that's something that I think is really exciting that we get to bring to to an audience as well. Right. You're having that shared experience. 
Felix, how has the Latino music culture changed since you started All Latino all those years ago? I think that uh, it's expanded in scope. And I think that uh, the idea of ignoring genres and boundaries is even more present now. I think that it's, it's, I've always been a fan of people who were combining different things. I'm a big jazz fan, Latin music fan, you know, and, and just anything that exposed new horizons, new ideas has always been, you know, always been my preference. That's what I, I like to hear. And I really think that there's so many of these musicians, these young uh, Latin musicians all over the world, really. Uh, and all over the Spanish speaking world and the Portuguese speaking world, they're just completely ignoring genres and definitions and combining these things. And I, I tell people, and I'm not exaggerating, at least, you know, every other month I get my mind blown <laughs> by hearing something I've never heard before. And that's, that's the ultimate goal is to hear that sound I've never heard. And that's the purpose of, of trying to find all this music. Uh, Anna Marie, you and Felix are doing some interesting stuff on social media, especially on your new TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving the behind the scenes of, of, of the interviews and just, you know, the funny little clips that you have Felix doing. Can you talk about that sort of the, the importance of uh, reaching a newer audience, exploring the different avenues to reach the, the community? Okay. Well, I think first disclaimer, um, there is a video up that has Felix running all over Dallas, Texas. Um, because this is true story. This actually happened. He booked the wrong hotel for this conference we're supposed to be at. So we took a real moment of the ridiculousness that actually happens. Um, and we made a TikTok out of it. And everyone seems to think that I was trying to force him to run around and that is not the case he did it to himself so i just have to put that on the record yeah, somewhere yeah, okay good. this is my opportunity um but <laughs> i didn't know that it was my idea actually to get to shoot me running all yeah, over I've the place i've been getting a my... lot of people are like were you trying to kill him i'm like are you kidding me Um, the TikTok has obviously been very fun and it's been amazing to, you know, reach people in a very different way. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, like we've been paying attention to, um, where our audience is and, and where, you know, young Latinx kids who want to hear this stuff, who want to know more about themselves and their culture and the community, uh, where they're consuming stuff, where they are. I mean, I know where I am. Um, so we kind of were just like, let's go there. So yeah, it's been it's been really amazing to not only be able to do storytelling in this format that we've been using for a lot of years, but now to expand that onto a platform where we know we're going to be able to reach all new kinds of um kinds of people and and people who I think that our content will resonate with that wouldn't otherwise be able to access it. Yeah, it does speak to the larger larger themes and larger issues. I mean, it's a lot of fun and we're having we're having a lot of fun, but as Anna said, Reaching the community where they are. I mean, in, in the 12 years in doing this show, the media landscape completely changed, completely. And so that it's the idea of being able to put, put the content out there, not just for content sake, but just to be able to promote the culture, the artists, the perspectives, and then also draw them to the NPR brand, right? And to the alt Latino brand, because once you go past alt Latino, 
you know, NPR has a lot to offer to Latinos that are listening to, to radio or consuming media, whether it's online photography, visuals, radio, et cetera. So that's, that's part of the, you know, there's strategy behind all of this. In addition to the fun, we're having a lot of fun, but there is a strategy behind this. It's Latinx Hispanic Heritage Month, and this year's theme is Unidos Inclusivity for a Stronger Nation. Anne-Marie and Felix, how important is that now? How important is it in this time in the world to have a united Latino community? And how can music help unite? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you just asked us, like, what is the (laughs) ultimate thesis purpose thing? I mean, that's everything for us, right? Like, I think that that's... That's the whole goal. I, I, we recognize that, that music is, is everything in, in the family. It starts from when you're little. It's like, you know, I always talk about, I learned about, about music through my abuela singing, you know, boleros and rancheras and things like that. And, and I think that a lot of, of people in our community can really relate to that. And, and so I think we recognize that it's like, bred into you from an early age that this is a source of, of unity and, and support and familiarity. And so to be able to take that and be like, we are this much larger, much, much larger, um, you know, part of this country, obviously, I think what, like 20% or something of this country, but also just like of the world. And so to be able to, to kind of emphasize that and highlight that and show the ways that we connect, that's like a dream, I think. Yeah. And, and taking off on what you said, um, about the, the idea of being a, a, a larger community, I think that that is what's also important is to show the, the diversity within our communities, right? And, and be able to explain Dominican music to someone from Mexico, right? Within the same show. So I think that, uh, why is it important to, to, bring community around us right now because for all the things that are out there in the social world and in the real world and all the things uh that are important that we need to remember about ourselves in order to go out there go through that door and deal with all the, everything that's hap- happening out there a strong sense of self i think will help us stay on the path and and not allow us to be deterred by things that are coming at us at every every level we've been talking to the host for NPR's Alt Latino, Felix Contreras and Adam Marie Sayer. Thank you so much for joining us on the local edition. It's been really a honor, truly, for me to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having us, bro. Yeah, seriously. And that does it for the local edition. Thank you to my guest tonight. First up, we're talking to Philip Antuso from the Times Union, letting us know about the carry conceal law and what's going on in the Ulster County executive race. And you were just listening to my interview with NPR hosts for Alt Latino, Felix Cateras and Anna Marie Sayers. Again, thank you so much to both of you for letting me talk to you. And it was truly an honor to speak to you. And Hispanic Heritage Month, we were honoring all month long. If you missed some of these interviews, you can look on our website. Check out WJFFRadio.org. Look for the Hispanic Heritage Month icon, and you click on there. Or you can visit the page directly, WJFFRadio.org slash Hispanic Heritage Month 2022. And you can see all the interviews there. 
We began the month off with talking to Rebecca Rivera, who is the editor for the Oyen Sullivan, letting us know what's happening in the pages of Oyen Sullivan. Sullivan County Spanish newspaper, published by the Sullivan County Democrat. Then we were talking to Jean Carlos about transnational migration. Dr. Dr. Cohen is a professor. He's been teaching at Orange County Community College since year 2000. Then we will talk to Liza, Liza Fuentes about abortion law effect on the Hispanic community. Liza Fuentes is a research scientist at the Guttmacher Institute. Then we will talk to Juanita Sarmento from YEG. That's here locally, and like you just heard here, NPR's host from all Latino, Felix Contreras, and Ana Maria Sayer. We'll be back on Monday. Talk to Sullivan County County government. Talking about HEAP. Which is a way you can save money this winter season. The winter is coming. And then we'll be checking in with Joseph Abraham from Sullivan County Democrat. About what's happening in the pages of the Sullivan County Democrat. And if you ever miss a show, don't worry. We have a podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Google, Apple, Stitcher. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe, share it, tell your friends. And if you like the podcast, leave a comment. You can find us on social media. We're at WJFF Radio Catskill. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Soon, TikTok. We post every day, Monday to Friday at least, at 4 p.m. on Who's On The Show. You can also visit our website, WJFF Radio slash The Local Edition. You can find upcoming guests, see past guests, and you can listen to the show. How great is that? You've been listening to The Local Edition. I've been your host, Patricio Robayo. Have a good night, Lucy. Coming up for you is the mixtape. This is Radio Catskill, your NPR station, WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. Thank you everyone for joining us on your Friday evening. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Coming up for you is the mixtape.